What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Microfamous. We're going to talk about boundaries today and really how to uh, how to construct these boundaries in such a way that you can protect your energy, show up with confidence, be magnetic to the right people, the right clients, the right strategic partners, all the people that you want to be magnetic to that really count in your life and your business. Let's talk about setting up boundaries so that we can show up the way that we want to show up with our best self. So as you know, uh, as introverts, we must protect our energy. Otherwise, when we're in social situations, we can't show up as our best self. Why is that? Well, introverts have this social capacity. It's kind of like a limit on how much energy we have to be social because for an introvert, being social draws our energy down. Being alone fills that energy tank back up. For an extrovert, it's the opposite. Obviously, everyone needs alone time. Everyone needs social time. So we're just using kind of broad, sweeping generalities. It's a lot like a spectrum. You can be heavily introverted where your social capacity is very, very low and you need lots and lots of alone time. Or you can be kind of, you know, closer to an ambivert where it's either or, where you need like half social time and half alone time. All that's okay. It doesn't mean you're not an introvert. Uh, It just means there's kind of a spectrum of how much is in your social energy tank. What does it take to build that energy tank up to where it's full and you can go out into the world and have lots of social interactions and be the person that you want to be in public? So you probably know that feeling when you run out of energy, which is like you're just done being social. You can't be as engaging. You can't be as enthusiastic. You're not as relaxed. You're just you're just trying to power through. And I call it hitting the wall. So similar to like an endurance athlete who drops to such a low energy level that they need to like stop and eat something. They've got to refuel. Well, introverts have to step away from social interactions and we refuel with our alone time. The word introvert, I've I've found just carries some negative baggage for people. Uh, even some introverts, sadly. And I, I think it's all tied together because I think the negative baggage around the word introvert has to do a lot with our social capacity and as introverts, our own lack of boundaries. And I'll explain what I mean and then we'll talk about boundaries. So when we as introverts overcommit beyond our social capacity, we end up putting ourselves in situations where we hit the wall, but we can't leave. So we try to power through. I just don't think that's a great strategy. So I want to share some ideas for boundaries you can install in your life or business. And these are boundaries that that allow you to commit to being social. You can commit to social activities, but without over committing yourself and being forced to power through. Like I know that when I hit the wall and if I'm forced to stay in a social situation that I would rather leave, it gets harder for me to be engaging, enthusiastic. It gets harder for me to use some of the things that would typically be in my, in my wheelhouse as an introvert, like active listening and really deep, interesting one-on-one conversations. So I find myself having to expend more energy to keep on powering through to stay in that social situation past the point where I've hit the wall. Now, everybody's a little bit different. You know, I'll talk a little bit later about what mine is, but everybody's a little bit different. And you got to find kind of what your what your social capacity is uh, just on an average day. And one thing to keep in mind is I'm, I'm not a big fan of making plans, setting strategies and things like that based on how you are on your best day. I'm a big fan of making plans and strategies and setting goals based on how you are on the average day. So think about this for a second. Let's say you commit to something that's six months from now and you go, oh, that's six months from now, but it's an all day thing. You know, this this all day event followed by a cocktail hour, followed by this, followed by that. And because it's six months away, you're like, yeah, I can do that. You know, I feel pretty good today. You know, you're not thinking it's, it's a long way away. You're like, yeah, I'll be fine. And then when it actually gets to the day, you as an introvert know exactly what happens. You're dreading it the day before, the night before, the week before, the morning of. You dread it the whole time. You know what I'm saying? Like you, we commit to these things that we know that we shouldn't have because we don't put these boundaries on ourselves. And as a result, we end up not being able to show up the way that we want to show up 
as our best self, our best personality, putting our best foot forward. So I think if we set some boundaries on this and, and on our social activities and the way that we run our calendar and our time blocking and stuff like that, I think we can have the best of both worlds. In other words, we can show up and be social and kind of destroy all that negative baggage around the word introvert because when we show up, we're fun, we're engaging, we're enjoying being there and yada yada. But when it's time to go home, when it's time to get out of there, when it's time to be alone, we honor that boundary and we go, great, I got to get out of here or I have a, a, hard, a hard out, hard set limit on this. Um, I'm going to go, I need to spend some time alone. So I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And I think the more that introverts do that, it will allow us to kind of break that negative stereotype about what it means to be an introvert. We do not hate people. We are not social lepers. We are not interested in being the outcast. We want to be involved. We just want to be involved and socially active in a way that fits our energy capacity, our social capacity. So let's jump into boundary number one. Set a time limit for in-person social activities and decide in advance what is worth committing to. For me, that's 90 minutes. So my boundary is set like this. If I can attend and leave around the 90 minute mark without offending anyone, I'll consider committing to it. If there's no possibility to leave when I choose, it's an automatic no. And so when it's questionable, kind of, okay, where does it fit in there? That's what I'm looking for is can I show up for 90 minutes, leave, not offend anyone? If not, I'm, I'm probably automatic no. There's some great examples like uh, I got invited to Harbor Cruise years ago at an event. So in other words, like, hey, after all the, all the speakers and stuff like that, uh, conclude, we're going to go out, we're going to have dinner, and then we're going on a harbor cruise for X amount of time around the harbor in Seattle. I'm like, absolutely not. Going back to the hotel. Uh, why? Because I don't know how long I'm going to be on that boat for, and I have absolutely no control. It's literally a boat I cannot step off when I choose. So yeah, there, there are certain things like that that are just automatic no's. Now, if it's a networking event with good potential to meet key people, I'll consider anything. But the event needs to have more potential of connecting and building a higher quality of relationship than I can by simply inviting someone onto a podcast together. Podcasting gives me the ability to meet almost anyone I want. So a networking event has to meet a pretty high threshold to go, you know, first of all, just to kind of get in the running to even to even get me out of the house to go. But more importantly, just in terms of committing to it at a strategic level, that networking event has to have the potential to introduce me to someone that I couldn't just get by inviting them onto the podcast. Because remember, on a podcast, I get to have this deep, interesting, fun, 30, 45 minute conversation if I want to. So there's a lot that I can accomplish just by inviting somebody onto a podcast. If I'm going to go meet people in person, it's got to deepen or strengthen that relationship or it's got to introduce me to somebody that I can't reach just through podcasting. So that's the first one. Let's go to boundary number two, which is change your default calendar appointment to 15 minutes. All right, so hear me out on this one. For phone calls and Zoom meetings, don't allow them to go longer than necessary. And a great way to just get into that mindset of only booking enough time on your calendar to get things done is to set your default appointment time to 15 minutes in your calendar. So when I first experimented with this change, I was just doing it to kind of free time up on my calendar and take 30 minute calls and shorten them up to 15 minutes. But what I found is it also just reduced the total time that I spent on the phone or Zoom calls without reducing my effectiveness. I was still pushing things forward, still getting things done, but a lot of those calls are taking half the time. So every minute that we save on phone calls or Zoom meetings is less of a draw on our social capacity, that energy tank of social time that's always going down, okay? So that's the boundary number two. Boundary number three is to set your default hour-long meetings to 45 minutes. So instead of booking you know, 60 minutes for those longer calls and meetings, try moving them to 45 minutes. You'll probably find the same thing that I did, which is you get as much accomplished while also building in a buffer between appointments if you need that. Those buffer times are great for catching your breath, relaxing. You can use them to prepare for the next call. 
You could even do some meditation, deep breathing in between calls if you find that that helps. I'm enough of an extrovert and introvert to where I can just book four hours of calls and meetings back to back in the mornings and I'm good. But if I have to book them throughout the day, then I start using techniques like that. Buffer times, 45 minute calls instead of 60 minutes and stuff like that. So that's boundary number three. Boundary number four is to block off entire chunks of the day from social activity. So either certain times of the day, certain days of the week, whatever the case is. But I know a lot of entrepreneurs who thrive on spending, you know, huge chunks of their morning alone. You know, they'll get up early. They'll get, they get up before the rest of their family is awake. They'll be up from like four to eight. That's their alone time. And then they roll into the office and they're doing calls and meetings from nine to four or something like that. For me, it's the exact opposite. So my mental energy and my social energy is best in the morning. So I block off the afternoons when my energy is a little bit lower socially for me to do different things. So working out, eating, uh, you know, that's when I wrote the, the microfamous book was in, you know, between three and five o'clock in the afternoons in coffee shops. So that's what works best for me. Whatever works best for you, just try blocking out the times when you're low on social energy rather than trying to just push through. So build boundaries right into your schedule that allow you to only take meetings and times at the times when you're at your natural best. So boundary number five is to batch social activities together into limited time frames. So boundary number four is kind of block off times when you know you're not going to be social. Boundary five is pushing that even further and trying to batch as much of your social time into certain time blocks. So calls, meetings, inter in-person appointments, whatever, try to block them into certain time frames because then it allows you to kind of ride the energy from one conversation to another all in one continuous time block. So if you're like me and you find that you don't necessarily need the buffer time between calls, because once you get started, you can go on a roll for three or four hours of social time and then you're ready to be done, then by all means, just batch everything together. So you know, I'm like any other insurer, I enjoy one on one conversations. So when the majority of my calls and meetings are one on one, I can usually go from one one to the other back to back, especially when they're interesting, and they're fun, like I get a temporary high, just like an extrovert. The problem for me is it just doesn't last as long. The, the temporary high doesn't last as long as it does for an extrovert, I need them to re recharge with some alone time. So rather than scheduling calls and meetings kind of haphazardly throughout the day with these odd blocks of open time between them, just try batching everything together and setting a boundary on the rest of your time. Uh, we're working with a client right now who uh, wanted to cut down the amount of time that his interviews were taking for his podcast. He's a fellow introvert. And he basically just said like, hey, can we take what, what are normally hour long blocks on my calendar? And can we put two people in that hour slot? And I get two shorter podcast episodes out of it with two different people. And great idea, right? Fantastic. We're working on it right now. It's working fine. And, uh, and people are just like, they don't know the difference, right? People go, oh, okay, it's a 30 minute recording. They have no idea that somebody's coming in before or after them. They just know it's 30 minutes on the calendar. Great. Anytime you think there's nothing you can do about it with your calendar, I trust me, you have more power than you than you think. So in my calendar, I'm available like Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday mornings, eight to noon. I rarely book calls or meetings in the afternoons. And I I tend to block off all Mondays and Thursdays whenever possible. Now, it's not always possible. There's probably about two Thursdays a month where I have calls kind of sprinkled throughout the morning. Uh, but Mondays are almost always free unless I'm uh, talking to a new client where that's the only time they can get together, you know, different things like that. So what this does for me is it funnels about 95% of my calls and appointments into blocks of time where I'm already prepared to be social. You know, I wake up those mornings with the expectation set, I'm going to be social this morning. So I show up energetic, engaging, enthusiastic, because I also know exactly when that time is up. 
you know, when it rolls around to noon, I'm done. <laughs> and off goes the phone. And, you know, I start to kind of withdraw and I, I recharge. So on my off days, when I know I don't have anything like social time going on, then I wake up focused on deeper work. That's when I get a lot of my writing done, or I'm building systems in the business or strategy or decision making, whatever the case is, right? Because I've, I've split those days off. So that's boundary number five, which is to batch social activities together into limited timeframes. Now, boundary number six is not to give anyone an hour on your calendar till they've been through a 15 minute call first. Now, there's a bunch of ways to do this, but the principle is basically the same, which is don't give someone a huge chunk of time until you've had a short chunk of time with them to know that it's going to be beneficial for both sides. So that first call can be a few different things. You know, uh, if it's in person, it could have just been like, hey, we met at a happy hour. You know, great. Let's let's do an hour call. No big deal. But you want to do the same thing with people that you meet online and go like, hey, let's let's jump on for 15 minutes real quick and just see, uh, explore, get to know each other a little bit and just see if there's a good fit to talk more. Uh, so you can phrase that as it's a quick connect call or you can call it a like if they're interested in what you do, you might call it a fitting call. One of my clients, uh, anytime someone would reach out to her you're, when she was offering like, you know, a couple of different tiers of group coaching and individual coaching and things like that she had what was called a fitting call. In other words, if you were interested in working with her, but you weren't quite sure what her programs were, you just grab a 15 minute fitting call on the calendar. She would call you, you'd have a nice chat. She would kind of get a feel for where you were at and then tell you, okay, I think this is the program of what we have that would fit you best. That's why it was called a fitting call. And so either way, there's just no reason as an introvert to feel obligated to give someone a huge chunk of your social time, unless you have a vision of a clear benefit that's going to come out of that conversation. So just set a boundary around how much time you're going to give someone when they're brand new to your world and it's unclear what benefit is going to come from talking to them. You know, set a 15 minute limit on it. So that's boundary number six. Boundary number seven is a controversial one, which is to put your pricing right on your website. Now, our agency is in the podcast production business and podcast production can mean a huge array of different things from fully done for you like ours, which includes guest booking and strategy, which most, most podcast agencies don't do. Then you can get into like lower level services that are kind of done with you and even no frill services where you basically have to record everything on your own and you just send it into them and they charge you and upload it. Great. Huge range in my business of what, what podcast production means and what it can cost. So by us putting the full description of our offer and the pricing right on our website, I rarely get sales calls from people whose budget isn't a good fit for what we do. So that keeps my social time focused on people who are good prospects, they have the budget or they're a referral partner or they're a strategic relationship, whatever. Now, if you have a million different offers and you find yourself sending custom quotes a lot, then maybe this won't work. But I bet that you can still find a price range that you can put on your site that would turn away looky-loos and those that don't have the budget yet to afford you. So just experiment, just tinker, you know, put either your exact pricing or of, of your programs or, or program uh, or put a price range on your website. Like, hey, we work with people who are prepared to spend, you know, two to five K a month on Facebook ads. Like, great. That doesn't mean that nobody that isn't willing to spend five K a month won't reach out to you because you're giving like a range. So if you're in a business like that, where it legitimately can be a little bit all over the place, then just give people a range. So uh, so you give them a set point that they know, OK, if I'm not willing to spend two K a month, well, then I'm, I'm just not at that point yet. So give them a range. That's boundary number seven. Uh, boundary number eight is don't respond immediately to clients who end run your systems or your team. So this is for those that have a team like I do. So everybody, if you, if you work with clients and you have a team, you all have clients that like to skip the team and contact you directly with questions. Nothing wrong with that. Some people just have that personality or sometimes you formed this really deep, intimate relationship with the client. And so when it's time for them to communicate with uh, somebody on your team, they're kind of like, Meh. you know, they do it sometimes and then other times they just want to text you or call you directly. So 
when that happens, if they do have somebody on your team that they should be talking to for those types of questions or requests, then just forward the message to the team member and have your team member reach out and respond in place of you. Don't respond directly and definitely do not respond immediately because what that does is trains the client that that's exactly what they can get from you. Um, I learned this from watching the CEO of the agency I used to work with. Uh, he always redirected questions back to the point of contact, the person that they, they should be asking, and he let that person respond and handle the question. Now, 99% of questions still got answered quickly, so, so it's not like the client service level dropped, but more importantly, it trained the clients to reach out to the right person, and that actually does improve client experience over time, knowing like, hey, this is my person for 90% of the day-to-day -day stuff. This is the person I, I should reach out to. This is the person who actually lives in their email, or this is the person who's on Slack, or this is the person who has their cell phone available and will respond to my text. Like that will ultimately get your clients better client experience than half the time they reach out to your point of contact on your team and half the time they reach out to you and you respond and answer and answer the question and handle the issue. It's going to train them that they don't really know who they should reach out to. And sometimes they're just going to reach out to everybody, which then that, that does not help your team out at all. So by setting this boundary with clients and your team, it's just incredibly important for your peace of mind as an introverted entrepreneur, but also it's better in the end for clients. That's the thing is in the end, it's actually better for clients. So it's a hard discipline for some. Uh, first, because of that little delay in the response time to the clients, and that can make you uncomfortable. Uh, but more so, I think more entrepreneurs have trouble with this because it doesn't allow us to jump in and fix things. And the fixing things like feeds our ego, like our need to be needed. So I have to fight that too, because there's sometimes when I get a question, I'm like, ooh, oh, I want to jump in so bad. I'm like, nope, nope, that's Dan's job. Let, let, let me forward that to Dan. Let Dan reach out, let him handle it. Uh, yes, I can give some input to him behind the scenes if I feel like it needs to be handled in a specific way. But if I know that the question should be handled by Dan, then I give the question to Dan, period, end of story. And it, yes, it, it hurts my ego sometimes, but ultimately I do it and ultimately the client is better served. Okay, so that's boundary number eight. Boundary nine is to get yourself an executive assistant. Uh, I love my EA. I would never go back to not having one. Uh, so she screens my email, sets 90% of my appointments, uh, responds immediately to any key emails that I get in my inbox and then sends me a summary of every key email received since the previous day so I can respond appropriately. So like in the morning, I wake up and I've got a summary in my little Voxer walkie-talkie app that we use to communicate. So she sends me a summary like, hey, here's all the key emails that you got yesterday and I can cherry pick and go, ooh, I need to respond to that one immediately. Got it. Or I can look over those and go, you know, all of those can wait until after I'm done with my social time and I can respond to those early afternoon and they'll be fine. So it gives me a way to like instantly triage my email and then everything that she screens and that needs my attention goes into my start folder so that it's always there for me. It's marked as unread. And so uh, I can go in and handle the stuff that does need me, whether it's time sensitive or not. And I can make sure that they get a response from me for the things that do and everything else I don't see. We also review my calendar together every single week. We have a call every single week, and we're looking at which days I want to keep blocked off. We're looking at my overall level of busyness, like am I getting overcommitted? Am I allowing people to book unnecessary appointments? Um, you know, am I talking to certain people too often when I can talk to them? You know, with longer intervals in between. Um, are people booking things through my Calendly link, uh, and they're actually not? They shouldn't be, or they should be talking to someone else on the team or whatever. So. Uh, apart from all the other benefits, I think the biggest thing for me of having uh, an executive assistant has been just not having to be in my email every day. That's been a huge upgrade to my quality of life. So I went from like neglecting my email and then having to spend 45 minutes catching up to 
only seeing and responding to the key emails that need my attention. And that can take me 10, 15 minutes, sometimes a lot less than that. So I want to finish this off with a bonus tip. So this isn't necessarily a boundary, but just a tip, which is to turn off all notifications on your phone, including the ringer, text messages, notification symbols on your lock screen, uh, those little red indicators on apps like Instagram or your messaging apps that tell you like, hey, you've got three messages. Um, turn off as much of that stuff as you possibly can. If you're in a business, if you're in professional services and your value is being available, that is a problem. That should never be your primary value to the client, being available. Your value to the client should be expertise, recommendations, strategy, stuff like that. Well, if that's truly your value, you've got to have a clear mind, a clear enough schedule to come up with good ideas, good strategy, good recommendations for them. So this works even if you are a real estate agent. I can't tell you uh, how many coaches have told their real estate clients, which is one of those businesses where you'd think the value is being available all the time. But I have heard many coaches tell their clients, when you walk into the door, hand the cell phone to your assistant, do not touch it for the first four hours in the morning, do your prospecting, you know, do your uh, your prep for appointments, stuff like that. So even in that case, like with a local professional service that's high on customer service and people expect you to be available, there's always another solution. Give your phone to somebody else, have somebody else be the main point of contact. There's always a solution around that. Don't let yourself get put in the situation where your value is being available to your clients. So once you get that resolved and they don't have that expectation, then you can clear off all those notifications, the ringers, the 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 audio stuff that that dings, the uh, the visual stuff that comes up on your lock screen. So while your your cell phone sitting next to your your computer, you see them pop up. Turn off the stupid sync between your Apple uh, phone and your MacBook if you have that, where you have text messages pop up in the corner of your laptop. Oh my God, turn that off immediately. Uh, that is insanely distracting while you're trying to do deep work. That's where your real value is. So. Uh, scientific experiments have actually proven that having your phone next to your computer is will is proven to lower cognition and problem-solving ability. That's even when the phone is off. Now think about that for a second. Even when the phone is off, it still lowers cognition and uh, problem-solving ability. So the more that you get the phone kind of out of range, turn off notifications and stuff like that, it allows you to focus on the task at hand, uh, your calls and meetings, and that's where you really want to show up at your best self without distraction. So uh, now I can do all this stuff. I can set all these boundaries because clients have a point of contact on my team. I know that my assistant is reviewing emails and bringing anything to my attention that needs my specific decision making or problem solving skills and all that stuff. And of course, I run a very systematic uh, systems driven business with good people in place to where I'm not really putting out fires. I'm not having to do a lot of the work on a day to day basis just to keep clients happy. The team does that. So those are boundaries that have worked for me in various forms, but tinker with all of them if you want, but specifically pick out one or two if you can and go like, hey, I don't think these other seven will work for me right now, but let's maybe try, you know, backing off my standard appointment to 15 minutes or or having some buffer time built in between calls, or maybe I can batch some of my calls and meetings all together in a time of the day when I feel my best, like whatever it is, you don't have to do all these things. Um, but the more of them that you do, the more it does is funnel everything to where your social activities are scheduled at the times and for the time limits that allow you to show up and be your best self. So these boundaries have changed my life. I hope they inspire you to create your own. I'd love to hear what boundaries that you experiment with. And I'm sure that you'll come up with some things that I didn't think about. And I would love to hear those too, because I want to steal them and I want to use them in my life. So if you come up with any interesting boundaries or if you have some that you've already been using, 
shoot me an email, matt at pursuingresults.com. I would love to hear what you've come up with because I want to steal those ideas and experiment with them too. Uh, as always, uh, thank you, thank you, thank you for leaving reviews on the podcast. They keep going up and I appreciate it. Uh, I read every single one um, and it's a great, great way to just to think, say thank you, but it also obviously helps the algorithm and it puts the show in front of more people. So it does serve a purpose beyond just uh, thanking someone for the show that you enjoy. If you do want to uh, talk to us about podcast production, if you're a thought leader, uh, speaker, author type, or aspire to be, and you're in the professional services space um, specifically, uh, we love those and do a great job for those folks. So if you want to be a thought leader in that space, you want to sell coaching, consulting, speak, you want to write books, and mostly your audience is other entrepreneurs, that's right in our sweet spot. So just go to pursuingresults.com. You can learn more about the service there and see what other clients we've worked with in fields like real estate, mortgage, financial services, and stuff like that, recruiting as well. Um, so go there, check that out. As always, thank you for listening. And if you're an introvert, I hope you take this to heart. You don't need to change. We as introverts don't need to change. We are not the problem. The problem is the challenge for us is to build a system around us that allows us to be who we are and still get to the goals that we want. So focus on the systems around you in your life, and your business, not on trying to be someone you're not. All right. And I'll leave you with that. And we'll see you on the next episode.